from Flourish DX, this is the Psych Health and Safety Canada podcast. With workplace mental health becoming a priority for businesses who want to retain staff and prevent burnout, this is the source of information for creating sustainable and psychologically healthy workplaces in Canada. So welcome to Psych Health and Safety in Canada podcast. Today, my guest is Heidi Haber. And Heidi, I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them how you got to be on a podcast about psych health and safety. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm an HR leader. I've been an HR executive for over 10 years now. I actually started my career as administrative assistant and I put myself through school over the last 25 years. Uh, Just recently, uh, you know, even last year, just finishing my latest credentials. And I would say that uh, as an HR leader, I think it's a, a responsibility I take very seriously about creating workplaces that are welcoming and inclusive to everyone. And I think over the last 10 years of my kind of career, more so as a, a leader at the table, right, or uh, with the executive team, um, having the opportunity to uh, bring these conversations to the table, right, I, I intentionally creating workplaces where people are going to be able to be their authentic selves is something that I've cared a lot about. And thankfully, the teams I've worked with have cared a lot about. And so I would say that, you know, I am actually really inspired by the fact that we continue to be able to have these conversations a lot more authentically than we we did even kind of 10 plus years ago. You know, um, and and I'm I'm encouraged, I would say, about the opportunity in front of us to be able to create these workplaces where, um, you know, again, you know, people feel safe, they feel welcomed. And I think that as an HR leader, um, and I say this to all HR leaders, if they're listening, you know, we really do have an opportunity to to be part of the change we want to see in the world and, and in our workplaces. And so I'm inspired by that. Um, I I didn't always necessarily want to be in HR, I, uh, but once I took my first HR course, I was hooked and I love the opportunity. I love business. I love creating. I love innovating. And I feel like this is a role where I get to help build great businesses, employ lots of amazing talent, um, but also make a difference. Um, and I'm a community leader. I spend a lot of my time. I make the time to give back to the community. So in my 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 career, where what's brought me to where I am today. I mean, a lot of that is I've worked in the private sector a lot of my career, but I've done a lot of community work. And um, I've worked with a lot of nonprofits. I've been on boards and committees and kind of interweaving, you know, my day job um, with something that I'm really passionate about, you know, paying it forward and helping organizations that that need additional support is something that, um, you know, I think has helped define, I guess, my career. Yeah. So I love, I love your passion and and welcome to the club. There's so many of us that feel so passionate about the work that we're doing. And uh, it really is a shame that everybody doesn't have jobs like that where they can feel passionate, but I want to pick up on something you said, Heidi, and uh, it's the phrase we want to bring our authentic self to work. And so the question that I have is what if my authentic self is a blunt, cranky, miserable person? So I think self-awareness is a gift. And I think, you know, before we even talk about bringing the authentic self, I almost feel like folks need to figure that out, right? We're all on a journey. 
Um, and I think there's that exploration piece is really critical. I don't think that the blunt, cranky person is actually their authentic self. I think that is often a mask, right, that they're putting out there in the universe because they're not yet ready maybe to um, uncover some of the things that are, you know, where some of that behavior masks, you know, and I think that, um, you know, my, I have this great aunt who's just such an inspiration. She's in her 90s. And she's always said to me, Heidi, it takes all kinds. And, you know, I've, I've always em embraced everyone for who they are. And I've always kind of had that recognition that when someone is coming, you know, what, what they think is really their authentic selves and really intentional, and maybe it's not their best self, it is still the self that they're, you know, putting in front of you. And you, you have to work with that. And I think my goal is always to create trust, build credibility with any individual and try to help uncover, um, you know, beyond maybe that that surface level behavior. Um, I mean, I don't my my goal is never to change anyone. I, I want people to feel, um, you know, and we talk about this, living your best life and being purposeful in the work you're doing. I, I wish that for everyone. Um, I think my role as an HR leader, I think all of our roles as, as leaders is to help you know, create environments where people can feel authentically themselves. Um, and my hope is that, you know, uh, people don't feel like they have to mask with maybe behaviors that aren't as positive because they're trying to hide things, right? Yeah. So you you very much see the best in people and understand that um, less than ideal behavior isn't authentic. It's um, a, a coping strategy that maybe isn't all that effective for them. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think as a leader, you need to be courageous enough to, you know, unpack that a little bit and peel the onion back to understand, right. Is this, this behavior, is this person truly showing up they the way they want? Most of the you know, times when I reflect on my career and I've um, encountered some of those folks that are kind of really bold and, and just super negative, um, you know, when you build trust and credibility and you can kind of over time work with that individual, a lot of times those people are the softest, kindest individuals. They just had a lot of lived experiences that have um, built up that, um, again, that, um, that barrier they put in front uh, or in between you and them. And I think um, patience, right, and kindness, um, um, I, I think is really, really critical. Um, yeah. and, and on the other side, you know, we also both have appreciated um, this, met people who are all rainbows and sunshine, and you know that there's stuff there that maybe um, they're not unpacking and that they're not dealing with and managing. And they're even if they're coming off as very positive, um, that maybe somewhere they need to have, um, you know, that connection with someone else to truly kind of, um, you know, reflect on some of the things that, you know, maybe aren't going well, but they're not willing to put it out there. So I'm not sure what is best, you know, <laughs> coming all rainbow and sunshines when you're not comfortable enough to, to, to navigate the things that are, are not going well, or someone who is, you know, showing us not going well. Um, I think, people do operate in different ways, right? Our yeah. And true authenticity, as you say, is having self-awareness. Who am I really? And, uh, and being able to then choose your behaviors and reactions because you are self-aware. Yeah. So and that's having a growth mindset, right? And, and really, yeah. I think that it, it, focusing on the journey, not the destination, 
recognizing that you as a human being, you evolve um, at different times and places as you kind of grow as a, as a person. Um, and then, you know, ideally having that growth mindset um, and willingness to sit and reflect, you know, what is this behavior saying? Uh, you know, who am I? What, who do I want to be? All of those things I think is really, really critical. So in the last almost three years now, we've mm-hmm. all gone through a life-altering situation. The, the entire globe has gone through a life-altering situation with this pandemic. How do you think people should be looking at, reflecting, having a growth mindset when we're still in it? I, I you know, as a, someone who tries to be kind of glass half full and have a positive outlook on things, I do try to reflect on the things that um, were positive if you can think of that as positive uh, after experiencing something that was unprecedented from a global perspective that has caused a lot of, um, you know, sadness and and a lot of hurt and a lot of um, fear. You know, when I reflect on my own experiences, you know, I mean, I have young children. And so, you know, when the pandemic hit, you know, we've, we got to spend a lot more time together because they were home, you know, and, you know, yes, wearing multiple hats, you know, being an executive and a, a partner and a, and a, a daughter and a parent and a teacher now and doing all of these different things. Um, but, you know, when the world sort of was grounded, I think we all started to kind of slow down, not by choice, but we all had to slow down. I think, you know, I saw, I met more neighbors in our neighborhood than I have ever you know, we spent more time, I've spent more time outside as an adult than I, I have ever, you know, family dinners became a thing again, right? Like, you know, we didn't have activities to go to. And I remember reflecting, in, you know, on this with a lot of my friends about how, you know, they started taking stock on, you know, when things started opening up again, you know, do we need to do all of these different activities? What, what really matters to our family? And I think it was the first time in a long time where people started to, again, not by choice, take stock on what matters to us. What is the most meaningful? Uh, how do we want to spend our time? Um, and, you know, what do we need? What do we want? I think that's been incredibly powerful. My hope, and I know hope is not a strategy, I do wish for everyone that we don't lose sight of that as the world continues to open up. It, the world is different now. And I think it's uh, we don't yet know, um, you know, the long-term impacts, not only on, um, you know, the illness, but also on the psychological challenges that, um, you know, living through a pandemic has brought to all of us, that fear and that anxiety. I see it with my children. Um, they they think about and, and, and express things and worry about things that None of us want our kids to have to be thinking about, but it is a reality. And so how do we take something that's been very difficult and negative? And how do we look at reframing that so we can say, you know, I grew as a person because now I'm I'm willing to make the right choices on how I want to spend my time or, you know, how uh, what matters to me. And I think I'm a I'm on the great reimagination camp not the great resignation. Um, I'm on the great reimagination. And I think that's truly inspiring. I think it's a moment in time in history. We will look back and I think people will have really with authenticity um, 
figured out what they want their path forward to look like in a way that we didn't have uh, in the past because it was constantly go, 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 go. This was that moment in time for everyone. So Heidi, we know that there's people like you who it's the great reimagination and they feel that they've grown and they're closer to their family. And then there's people who had a different experience of yeah. loss, of fear, of isolation, of being shunned. Yeah. It, as a manager in a workplace, and what would your advice be about dealing with the fact that none of your employees, none of your team are unchanged? I'm not sure. I think everyone was changed by this. I think some people are on a, at a, on a different stage in their journey, though, in terms of understanding appreciation, appreciating where they are with that. I don't know if you can go through a global pandemic and not have it impact your life. I'm just not sure everyone has taken the time to do that reflection yet. Maybe it's because it's just not the right time for them or they're just not ready, right, to, to do that reflection. Um, but I think that, um, you know, again, I, I think that everybody is navigating this the best way that they can. And I don't think you can judge anybody for how they're embracing this. I think you need to just truly understand and, and be as empathetic as possible. And I think maybe that's something that will come out of this, um, where, you know, a little bit more empathy, a little bit more patience, um, as people navigate through it. You know, we're not on the other side yet. Um, and I'm not sure, maybe we never will be. Maybe this will be one of those things that just transform the way that the world operates. Um, you know, and again, we'll take the good from it. We'll also navigate through the bad. Um, but I think, you know, a little bit of empathy, I think, is what the world needs right now. I always say this, people, you know, I've said this many times, the world needs more kindness. And, and that might be, um, being more uh, less judgmental about others who are maybe not navigating through it as easily or as um, eloquently as someone else. I don't, it's been hard. I think, yeah, you know, we have to make choices. And I think it's how do you choose to show up every day? Um, and even that just showing up sometimes is enough, is the choice that someone makes. Maybe they're not going to be their best selves. But maybe the other person engaging with that person can just recognize that maybe that person is not their best self today and just be a little bit kinder and a little bit more empathetic, um, you know, to enable that person to get through the day so they can show up their best self the next day. Yeah, that's a statement that we've made before that a psychologically safe workplace is where whatever my best self is for today is oh. optimized right? That I can do whatever I'm capable of because it's a safe place to do that. Yeah. Um, so Heidi, I know you work with leaders as well, and many of them are um, burnt out, exhausted, dealing with all the same family and personal and health issues that everybody else is. And we're asking them now to be um, empathetic. We're asking them to be kind. We're asking them how do they do that from the place? Right. Self-care is super important. I think, you know, and I mean, in all roles where you are responsible for others, if that's teacher or parent or, uh, or leader, 
um, a lot of times, and, and I'm not saying anything that your audience won't, you know, know, appreciate, and that I've heard before, but it does start with the self-care you give yourself, the kindness you give yourself. And I think that, I mean, I, I think a lot of us fall into this trap where we spend so much time giving to others. We, we, we kind of avoid and, and almost, you know, uh, negate taking care of oneself. Um, that catches up with you as a as a human being, and I think you to be your best self, you also have to first take care of yourself. It's the whole analogy, you know, when the oxygen masks come down and the in the plane, you have to put your ears on first before you can tend to your loved ones, your friends, your family members, and I think um, that 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 is true in every uh, you know occasion, uh, no matter where you are in your 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 role. If you're the caretaker or the one being cared for, I think, you know, you have to take stock of that self-care piece. And I think that that is uh, incredibly important when we talk about creating that psychologically safe organization. You know, are our leaders leading by example? Are they setting the right, um, you know, frame? Are they developing the right framework? Are they leading by example so that uh, others will follow suit more naturally? Um, you know, it's really tough to say as a leader, um, you know, I want to, I want you to take time for you. I want to make sure you're taking your vacation. You know, I want to make sure you're setting reasonable goals and priorities. I want to make sure that you take time off when you're not well. But if you're not doing that and, and you're doing the opposite, it is confusing, right, to, uh, to your team. And I, so I think the leadership by example piece is really, really critical. Well, the message that I get when a leader says, do as I say, not as I do, is that that's good for people in your position. But if you want to get ahead, then you have to be like me. But, you know, Heidi, the oxygen mask um, metaphor never resonated with me. It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, if it actually came down to it, I'd probably try to save whoever yeah. first and then, you know, get that on and I would do my best, but it's going to be. I would be more mortified if I got mine on first and they didn't make it. But the the piece that really helped me um, was guilt. And, And the reason is when I got to a place where I was so unwell, I couldn't take care of anybody. Then I realized had I taken the time, had I taken more um, self-care approaches, I wouldn't have been a burden. But you don't have to get to that. You have to just think about what's the impact I have. If I'm exhausted and frustrated, what do people actually see when they interact with me? And uh, yeah, it's funny. It's funny what motivates us uh, versus what doesn't. And I had this experience recently. Um, I, I am someone that is very helpful. I love helping others um, through my work, through my my community work, just, you know, being a a friend, et cetera. And I will always raise my hand to help others. And somebody recently turned the tables on me and said, what can I do to help you? And I, I drew a blank and I'm not generally speechless. And I, I didn't even know how to respond. And I, I, I just sort of said, thank you for offering. I don't need anything at this moment, but I'm going to reflect on that. And I'm, I'm going to circle back, you know, but I thought to myself, wow, you know, it brings me a lot of joy, a lot of purpose to help others. Um, and so when I had that tearing the table to me, I really, I had to think about it. Um, and I need to kind of be comfortable enough to realize that I'm going to need some help at some point too, <laughs> you know, and be okay with that. Um, and then, you know, 
it just it got me really um thinking about why it was so hard for me to actually tell this other individual what I needed. So it happens to the best of us, you know. I think it is for most of us easier to help others than to ask for help. And I mean, I'm a humble leader. I mean, it's I, I don't have all the answers. I I I have an amazing team that I work with and colleagues that I lean on all the time. I'm okay to ask for help from that perspective. But this was a different kind of uh, ask. This was more, you know, kind of a just a general question, and it really made me start reflecting. And so I kind of put that out there to the audience, like you know, when someone, when you go and help others, at some point they're going to ask you, "What do you need?" What do you want? Right. And and what's your answer going to be? I, I think it's just super profound. It's something that's gotten me thinking a lot. Yeah, I had a very similar experience and realized that, as you said, I feel joy in being able to help. I feel that I'm valued. I feel honored that I'm trusted. And yet I would deny people in my life the opportunity to feel valued, trusted, to feel joy in helping me. And Heidi, I went from always saying, no, I'm fine. I don't thank you very much. I'm I'm good to looking for ways to engage people to be part of something only to make my relationships stronger and more intimate and to give people the feeling that I have of helping. It's not that I really need it. It's that I really need my relationships to be at a stronger level. And I really want other people to feel that joy. Um, but that balance, you're absolutely right. You know, I think that um, folks want, when you've helped someone else, they they want to be able to reciprocate and thank you for that. And so uh, I think you're absolutely, it's such an important point. Another reason, right, to have a good answer uh, and I'm going to be ready the next time somebody <laughs> asks me, um, because I think your point is so valid, right? Why would we remove that person's opportunity to get that same joy, that same happiness, that same jolt of like, I'm doing something kind for someone else. And so I'm going to be ready uh, for the next time somebody asks. <laughs> there you go. And even to look for opportunities to, to do that. Yeah. Um, it is part of leadership that we think you know, you say the humble leader, the servant leader, the transformational leader that our job is to do for. But if we really want to lift people up, we give them an opportunity to reciprocate, to feel Mm -hmm. empowered, to feel that they're contributing. Yeah. Um, You talk about self-care and what are the strategies that you feel um, for you really support your own self-care? This changes like, uh, you know, at different points in time. And I, I, let's talk about the pandemic. So I think um, when I reflect on the pandemic, um, I had to stop reading certain types of books. So I'm a, I love to read. And there were certain books that I had to stop reading. I went through a phase where I could not read nonfiction anymore. And I had to read fiction, happy fiction, love story fiction, fiction with a happy ending. And that helped me early on in the pandemic because, you know, um, avoiding uh, a lot of social media, uh, avoiding the news to be fully candid. Um, it's not that I want to cocoon myself. I just find it really 
sad when I go online to see what's happening around the world and, and not feeling like I can make an impact or make a change. And um, I would say cultivating relationships is part of my self-care, connecting with those them, that I care about, friends and family, making time, giving back to the community, 100% has always been part of the way that I, and I, I, it's, I know people go, it's counterintuitive, I'm giving my time. But again, that purpose, that joy that I get um, from giving back to my community and helping someone else, um, that helped me navigate the pandemic immensely. Like, I think I increased my community support and my mentor, the roles I would take as a mentor over the pandemic, um, because again, it fueled that, that part of me um, that, you know, needed to be fueled as we were navigating something that was really scary. Um, and I would say, you know, from a health and wellness perspective, right, like the basics, getting enough sleep, making time for that, you know, making choices, right? Um, physical fitness, right? Getting fresh air. These are some of the things that are accessible to everyone, right? A good night's sleep and, uh, and fresh air makes uh, a, a huge, it can really impact your day. Um, and I think um, not apologizing, uh, a big epiphany for me, I'll never forget it. It's, um, I think, something that will stay with me for a long time. Two weeks into the pandemic, I, like many uh, working professionals, had children at home, had partner and parents at home. We were all cocooning together to try to navigate a very scary time in those early days. And I remember apologizing for the chaos around me and having to be tech support for the kids or helping them navigate through class or just, you know, helping my dad, you know, with something. And two weeks in, I just stopped. And I started acknowledging what was happening around me. And all of a sudden, then the team started acknowledging. And there was this almost uh, this flood of thanks for um, removing that need, that burden people were feeling, that guilt, like you had said, that guilt, removing that guilt. And then just changing the language of I'm acknowledging that right now I'm expecting a delivery. The children are at home. I might have to turn off my camera because we have eight people on, you know, Wi-Fi right now. Um, and we would start the meetings that way. And it changed the dynamic across the whole organization. And that was really powerful. And even to this day, um, you know, I'll politely say to folks, don't apologize for life that's happening. Just acknowledge it. And then and then move on, right? Because then you feel comfortable enough that you've put your authentic self out there. This is what's happening in my world today. And then we can move on to whatever meeting or discussion is 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 having to take place. So Hi listeners, Jason here. We hope you're enjoying this latest podcast episode. Now, if you're like Joelle, Alicia, and myself and enjoy learning from the best, then the Flourish DX Academy is for you. The Academy includes free e-learning courses on the ISO 45003 standard for psychological health and safety at work and associated topics such as how to conduct a psychosocial risk assessment and how to create the business case for psych health and safety. All courses feature high-quality videos, downloadable resources, multi-choice questions and a downloadable training certificate on completion. Take your learning to the next level with all Flourish DX Academy courses included within the Flourish DX mobile app. Select podcast episodes from the Psych Health and Safety Podcast and sister podcasts from Canada and the USA are also included. Get started with Flourish DX for free at www.flourishdx.com forward slash get hyphen started. That's www.flourishdx.com forward slash get hyphen started. Now back to this episode. Yeah, isn't it interesting? 
how the pandemic has really contributed to that authenticity. You know, I had somebody say to me early on, I saw my boss as my boss. And then when we had to do this, I realized that my boss was a parent, was a pet owner, was a human dealing with things that um, I never thought about. I just thought about them giving me instructions and me wanting to, you know, not get in their bad book. So, yeah, it's it's yeah, been- level set things right? for a lot of people. I think it created connections in ways that we wouldn't have otherwise experienced. You know, some people still are uncomfortable about bringing their personal lives into the workplace. I think that all went out, you know, <laughs> out the door when the pandemic happened because, you know, it was real. Right? You know, we were all experiencing it for the same time, for the first time. Um, I think the other thing, too, is, you know, we've made strides around being vocal about mental health and wellness over the years. I think the pandemic helped, again, speed that up a little bit because people were navigating things that were very scary, caused a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. And I think, um, again, it created opportunities to have those discussions and to explore it. You know, the whole notion of how are you? I'm fine. We all knew you're not. So like, you know, okay, that's good that you're fine. You know, and what else, right? And and kind of, you know, peeling it back a little bit more to get to the crux of how our people are doing. Um, I think even now, right, we rush through life a lot. Um, and, you know, even the idea of how are you doing um, when someone will say, oh, I'm really good. I'm like, great. What is it that's good? What's going well? Tell me, share with me, celebrate, like, let's celebrate together. You know, what's going great in your life? And then so that conversation evolves into something else. Um, so we can kind of slow things down a little bit, unpack things, truly find that connection. And again, I think that goes back to creating that safe environment where when you have that connection, it's a lot easier when the person has to reach out or you have to reach out to say things aren't going fine anymore. And I need to explore that. Yeah, that's that's really well said, Heidi. And I think it uh, is helping us shift, Right to something that's better, I believe. Like you, I try not to be um, little Mary Sunshine, Uh, you know, uh, around everything. I understand there's been pain and loss and sorrow, but the more that we can share coping strategies, share how we deal with stressors, share how we are getting through the day, the more that we can help lift others up as well and uh that's part of the authenticity not i uh, never let them see you sweat right. but tell them how you deal with that so and i think that's why i resonate more to the great reimagination because you don't go through a global pandemic and not rethink your priorities and rethink what matters to you and i see that as an opportunity because i think that a lot of folks um you know, are going through, we're going through the motions and never taking time to reflect, never taking time for self-care. And when the world stops, uh, unfortunately, you have a lot more time and you do start looking at what really matters to me. How do I want to spend my time? You know, um, what are things that I haven't achieved that I want to achieve, right? Um, and I think that, that that's super powerful. And um, I, I too, I think that, you know, um, 
I think we all have a choice. Um, and I think, you know, I choose to be a little bit more, let's try to find something good from this. We can't negate all the things that the pandemic has brought that haven't been positive. Like you said, the loss, and that is real. We have to create environments though, so people can explore that and grieve um, and share. Um, you know, I had a conversation recently and, you know, it was almost expressing the anger, the frustration the pandemic has brought. It's difficult. You know, it's been, um, and I think we need to, we need to make time for that too. It's okay that it's been frustrating and it's, it, it's angered us and it's been upsetting and, you know, the world is different. I think we need to create the space to have those conversations too and not bury that. And I mean, I've been trying to have those conversations myself. I see the impact it's had on my kids. Um, it's not a world that I envisioned for them that, you know, um, I, I'm on a board of a children's hospital. This time is unprecedented. It's scary. It's challenging for everyone. You know, the parents that have to go um, to the children's hospital with their sick children. It's I, I'm I'm concerned about the staff who are trying to literally save lives. I mean, it is a really dynamic time. I think this is where we have to all come together, though. Again, more empathy, more understanding, more kindness, creating space for folks to show up as themselves in that moment. Um, giving, you know, giving a little bit of slack too, if they're showing up, as we talked about at the front end of our conversation, if they're not showing up as their best self. Yeah, wondering what they're going through. Even just understanding, I don't know what this person's going through, but there's something that they are going through. Creating that space and, you know, to, to allow them to go on that journey, um, and just being there for them, right? Um, and not everybody wants to, not everyone's an open book. Not everyone wants to share. Um, not everybody is ready. But it's a really powerful when you say, I, I get the sense that there's something going on. I'm here for you when you're ready, if you're ever ready to explore that. And if you're not, that's okay too. But I just, I'm thinking about you. I'm here for you. I think that's yeah. really powerful. You've just allowed somebody to feel seen and heard, which in and of itself can reduce the stress and frustration just okay you know i'm going through something and yet you're still supportive therefore maybe i can focus on my work and and do my best but perfection isn't your expectation so uh, and unapologetically right yeah. unapologetically yeah um, now you've got another concept that you talk about heidi um leading with intention can you expound on that a bit? You know, I think that, again, going back to a lot of times we're on, um, you know, we're rushing through you know, life, we're rushing through the day. We are um, kind of on autopilot sometime going from meeting to meeting or, you know, going from task to task. Um, and I think sometimes it's about sort of, again, Kind of think about it, you know, being really intentional, being present and whatever you're you're doing from a leadership perspective, you know, really doing that as intentionally as possible. And that includes being present, being aware um, of, you know, who you're engaging with, how you're showing up yourself. And I think, you know, it's it's much more purposeful. And I think it's a lot more authentic when you can do things with intention. I think it takes time, a little bit more effort, a little bit, a little bit more thought and planning. 
but I think it, it's really, really important. And, you know, I, I can even reflect on, you know, my own days and when I've led with intention, right. When I've been truly present, when I have truly shown up as authentically as I can in that moment and how that day has gone, how those interactions have gone, those connections, the type of work that I, my output, right. The, the innovation, um, you know, what I create, um, you know, I, I think that there is, and that might be different for uh, different people. Everybody might have a different definition of that, of what it is for them to authentically lead and, and to lead with intention. Um, you know, for me, it's about like, you know, taking stock of being present in that moment, you know, appreciating the stakeholders all around me, right? You know, showing up the best way that I can. Um, to me, that that is kind of leading very intentionally with purpose, thoughtful, um, and, and not just, you know, being on autopilot. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that I do every morning before I open my eyes is set an intention. It's what I do before a podcast is mm-hmm. I set an intention. It's what I do before a meeting. And it's not magic. <laughs> There's no <laughs> secret to it. It is simply thinking, what's my purpose here? Why am I here? What am I doing? And uh, I think that it is that moment of uh, reflection that can help you be less reactive and uh, more likely to accomplish what it is you want to accomplish. It's it's such a tiny thing, but it's uh, such a powerful thing. And I think Uh, that the, the reflection piece too, right? Uh, you know, a lot of times we're human beings, you know, we show up sometimes and we're not our best self. You know, uh, it's okay to, you know, I, I I took this from one of my kids' books. It's okay to, you know, fess up when you mess up, right? And I think that it's very powerful to be able to even, you know, behind the scenes say, I, I wasn't my best self in that meeting or I didn't show up uh, as authentically as I would have liked to um, and open again that door to creating that credibility, that trust, that connection with someone else who, um, you know, also maybe has recognized that you weren't your best self, um, but they appreciate you reaching out because then again, it creates a more safe environment so that when they aren't showing up as their best self, they know that you empathize and understand, right? Um, I think that, uh, again, you know, we have to be more kind to ourselves to be more kind to others. And and I think that's something that, again, you got to be really intentional about. So I love that you have that as a, a practice, because I think even just being really, again, putting the planning and, and, and being really thoughtful about it enables you to be present in that moment. The irony of all of this is it sounds like, oh, we're just touchy feely new agey kind of you know freaks but in fact uh, it allows you to optimize the energy and the focus of every employee which in turn hits your bottom line in a very positive way so do you ever find Heidi that there's some of your clients that you're talking to that you have to manage your language that you don't talk about empathy or what I used to call the C word, which is compassion, um, that you don't go there, that you talk about, you know, this is the management approach and this is the style and this is how you manage performance. 
you know, I, I spent a lot of my time in the technology sector. And so I've gotten really good at still being authentically me, but also being able to find connection with the other individuals that may lead, speak better with data, right? So like I'll bring the data to the table, um, but still provide the insights and still say, I feel really strongly about this, but now you'll see why. And I think so, I think there's a medium of finding you know, again, it's about creating that connection with that individual, building trust and credibility. You have to do that in whatever whatever way possible. I I would like to say to a leader, you know, uh, especially when they're feeling maybe frustrated or, or or stressed or anxious about something, you know, take a couple breaths before you go into that next call. Like, how do you want to show up in this next meeting? And I want you to think about that because you you got one shot to go and find, you know, have that conversation with your manager or your your colleague or your or your team member. You know, take a couple breaths, just humor me. And and now because we, uh, you know a lot of us work remotely, I'll say go do a couple jumping jacks, get that cortisol level working for you in a in a in a more positive way. Take a couple deep breaths and think about the fact that you've got this one shot to either build trust, right? Add to your, your trust bucket or, or, or take away from that. And I think sometimes just even that reflection. And I, I mean, I do this myself all the time as a parent and I, it's, not, it's not perfect. I'm a work in progress. Um, and I'm kind to myself where I am a work in progress, but I do go, okay, this is gonna be challenging. I really need to center myself. So I don't think it's touchy-feely. I think we all need to find how do we center ourselves? And if that is go do 20 push-ups to get the cortisol balance before you go into a difficult conversation situation, or if that's having a cup of tea, or if that is going and meditating for you know five minutes, everyone has to figure out how do they find that balance? How do, and maybe that's taking a moment to be grateful for something or going and reading something to completely distract yourself. We all need to find that center. Um, I think that that's when you can get a little bit more clarity um and and so you know i try to help the leaders that i work with and the employees that i work with and you know my colleagues um help them find that center because it's different for everyone and and what works for me isn't going to work for them so how do you inspire them i guess to help them at least do the reflection to figure it out that, yeah that's wonderful um it also means they're going to live with a lot fewer regrets mm. because they're not reacting from a place of emotion. They are responding um, in a, an intentional way, the way that they want to. Okay. So Heidi, I want to ask you a question. Um, for people who have no idea what psychological health and safety is, what would it feel like to be in a workplace that is psychologically healthy and safe? How would you describe it? You know, I describe a workplace where I want to be, where I can, um, you know, work in a, uh, a position that brings me joy, that, you know, that brings me happiness, that I'm working with colleagues that I feel um, have my back and are there to support me and help me along my journey. Um, I'm working with leaders that define what success looks like and give clear, uh, give lots of feedback. Um, that are committed to my success and are helping me create that pathway, um, no matter what it is that I want to achieve, that I can come to the workplace every day exactly how uh, I need to, 
you know, and, and that's when I'm having a, a great day and when maybe I'm not having a great day because there are things happening in my world that, um, you know, are, are maybe be, you know, taking me off my game, um, where there's opportunities to truly connect with others. Um, that isn't just surface level. That isn't just about work where, you know, you have friendships and people that you care about and people that care about you, you feel that sense where, um, no matter what puzzle you're navigating in your personal life or professional life, um, you know, you have an organization that uh, will support you on that journey. T to me, that that's the organization I want to work for. That's the organization I want to help build and create. And unfortunately, in my role, you know, um, that's a big responsibility that I have so that everyone can genuinely feel their authentic selves doing their best work, enabling an, an environment where everyone can thrive and um, I think we've made a lot of progress. Like you said, I think there are still some organizations that haven't yet started on that journey. I do believe, though, that, you know, and I'm hopeful that, you know, we are going to get to a place where no matter who you are and, um, you know, where you are in your journey, you can find an organization where you feel like, you know, this is a place where I can be my authentic self, where I can thrive, where I can be successful and feel cared for and supported. And, um, and again, I think, you know, we all have a role to create, right? I mean, you can be a great HR leader and, and I value this. And, and unless you have the whole organization on board, um, including all the team members on board to help cultivate and create that environment, um, it's, it's not going to work. So I think we all have a role to play, including creating space maybe for your colleagues when you know that they're, they're having an off day or they're navigating something difficult um, or they're needing just advice and counsel on a project. Um, I think if you can create that space, create that openness um, and also, you know, just in, ingrain that into your culture where, um, you know, it, it is a safe place uh, where, you know, and I think it comes to, you know, from a communication perspective, you know, leading by example again, you know, to say we're an organization that is very trustful and we have a lot of credibility, um, but, you know, all of the decisions are kind of always kept up here and not distilled down to the organization. Well, then that is kind of counterintuitive. So, again, leading by example. Um, that's that's what I hope for everyone. I hope everyone can find that. What would you say to employers who say, well, that's all great, but we only have minimum wage jobs, lots of turnover, and it's difficult, unrewarding work. How many of the things you described can still happen there? What would be your advice for Nothing them? I described cost, uh, everything I described didn't cost anything, <laughs> right? Um, yes, you know, uh, you know, some could argue, well, we don't have the budget to put in this kind of program or this. I'm just talking about being a great human being, right? Being kind and open and trusting, uh, cultivating great communication. I think that every organization has an opportunity to create an environment where um, their team can show up um, doing, uh, I think all work is purposeful. You know, um, I think they're, you know, I think it, again, mindset, mindset shift for sure. You know, my, my little boys, um, they flip flop from wanting to be game developers to CEOs, to garbage men, to a uh, building homes. Like 
And we celebrate all of those roles because that makes the world go round. And that's, you know, I think, you know, we can't underestimate the importance. I, I've made a joke about this in the past. If I was prime minister of Canada, I would uh, like the volunteering that needs to be done now in our high schools. I would also have everyone go and work in a customer service or a retail job because I think that builds better, better empathy, better appreciation. You know, uh, those are really important jobs and they're tough jobs. And I think that, you know, there are days um, and let's let's explore that. Like, let's say you are uh, working in a restaurant and you're navigating individuals that may not be coming in as their best selves. Having an employer that is open to help um, support that individual, stand there and have that person's back as they're navigating maybe a difficult conversation with a client or a customer, and then always being open, right, um, to be, if you're having a tough day, we're here for you, right? You know, the door is always open. Um, I work from home remotely. And I used to always be able to say my door is always open and it would literally be open. It's not open anymore because we're working remotely, but my calendar is fully open, meaning, um, and I, every time I meet someone, I let them know that while my can calendar is private because I'm an HR leader, um, my calendar is fully open, meaning you can book 15 minutes, an hour with me at any point in time. I think every leader has the ability to, to offer that up as an opportunity. And I think right there, that small, subtle um, opening to, you know, I'm always available to connect with you. Um, I think that can be really meaningful. And that's something everyone, every employer can do. So that brings me to Heidi, if people wanted to get in touch with you, if they wanted to uh, connect with you, how would they do that? I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, it's probably the only social media tool that I do actively use. So I'm on LinkedIn and that would be the best place to connect with me. Uh, I, I connect with folks around the world to share, uh, you know, best practices around things we're doing in the workplace. Um, and I love to connect with others to learn about what they're doing. Um, and again, I think that, you know, um, a lot of the things that, you know, you can do don't cost money. Um, doesn't require a lot of planning. I think it's just, again, you know, we've talked about some of these things, you know, leading by example, right? Showing up in as authentically as you can and, and making it okay for others to not apologizing, simply acknowledging what's happening in, in your world, in their worlds and creating space for openness and for that connection and recognizing too that sometimes it takes a little longer for someone to create a connection with you, to trust. And that's not about you, that's about them. And you need to create the safe enough space for that relationship to kind of bloom. That's that's great advice, Heidi. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for being part of this podcast today. Um, the podcast is sponsored by Flourish DX, which is a tool to help employers build psychologically healthy and safe workplaces and to support employee well-being. And people can find them at flourishdx.com. Heidi, it's been a pleasure uh, to listen to you, to learn from you today. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Psych Health and Safety Canada podcast. To stay up to date with the best content on workplace mental health in North America, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join the Flourish DX community at www.flourishdx.com. Thank you.